Glad to have our youth group back from camp, and now we're sending our elementary kids to camp this coming week. And so just keep praying for camp. Just keep that going if you were doing that, and uh, glad to have them back with us. Uh, we will not have our summer community group Wednesday night deal this week. We're taking this week off. We'll be back the following week. But uh, we're going to kind of pull this last Wednesday into tonight a little bit. And so if you weren't there on Wednesday, then you'll get a little, a little dose of what we talked about. And if you were there, this is going to kind of take things one more step forward. And so just a little bit of background. This, you know, every summer we stop having our normal community group uh, meetings uh, in our different like, parts of the city where we all live. And this summer, you know, in the summertime, we do something different. This year, we're pulling everyone together here at Grace on Wednesdays, and there's food, and then we have a uh, kind of a teaching discussion type thing uh, going on. And so before all this started, sent out a survey to everyone, anyone who wanted to fill it out and basically say, what are some of the things you'd like to talk about? And about 50, 53, 54 people, I think, filled it out. And there was really only one theme that emerged in terms of things you would be interested in. And it was really, it it boiled down to how do we engage the culture around us, especially in some of these like hot button issues that are so prevalent in our discussions with coworkers, with family members, with neighbors, with uh, people we go to school with. Um, and, and online with social media and stuff. It's like there's all this stuff going on, and we really just want to talk about what is our role supposed to be. You know, we see sometimes people being kind of, you know, um, doing some, some fairly extreme things in terms of, you know, taking a stand on different issues, and sometimes it's hard to, to know, is that is that what we're all supposed to be doing? And, you know, kind of just that kind of stuff. And so it wasn't even one particular issue. It was a couple of different things. The general vibe was we really want to get more sharp and focused in terms of our like engagement in these discussions with uh, you know, the people around us. And so can we talk about that? And so that's kind of shaped uh, a good bit of the summer together. And so to, tonight we're just going to kind of get into some of that a little, a little more specifically. Um, Wednesday night was this past Wednesday was sort of a general overview of of what we're kind of going for together. And Second Corinthians five um, provides what what may be a very helpful paradigm that is worth considering before we get into some of the specific issues. And that's what I'm going to do tonight. And so uh, let me just go ahead and tell you this: we're not going to podcast this one. And it's not because I'm about to say some crazy stuff. Uh, Oh, I don't, you never know. But I don't think it's because I'm about to say some crazy stuff. It's just people listen to our podcast, and this might be one that's maybe a little bit better to not just blast all over the internet. So if you want a, an audio, like if you want a copy of it, because you're like, I want to go and listen to it again, or I want to take some notes, or I want to build my case against Josh, or whatever it might be, we'd be happy to send you the audio file. Uh, but we're, it's not going to be on the podcast, and so... Yeah, that's that. So I'm going to get specific with a couple of different issues tonight. And so if that makes you nervous, then join the party. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 
Um, I think it helps us set the stage for perhaps what, I, what I've called a, like a, just a paradigm, a model, uh, a, a mindset, an approach that maybe will be helpful in giving us some more specific direction. Um, we'll start in verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay, that's a literal, like, passing away, a death of the old self. You are, like, if you are a Christian, you are literally not the one that you used to be. Your identity and your, like, inmost being has shifted from being um, a sinner who was born in the line of Adam is now shifted to a saint who was born in the line of Christ, born anew. And so there is this literal change that's in us. Verse 18, he says, all this is from God. So this meaning the new creation, but also this meaning everything else he's been talking about prior to that. So you can read that on your own. It says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He says the same thing twice. Is that the, essentially the gospel is about us being reconciled relationally to God. That God is able to look at you in your sin and say, I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm going to separate your identity from your sin. Those are going to be pulled apart. And so he cannot like our sin and love us at the same time. And so now we have been restored relationally to our God, and our gospel is one that is about reconciling broken relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, our relationship with creation, our relationship with our own selves. God is all about reconciling that and putting those relationships back together again. And now that has been handed to us. Paul is saying now, now we have been charged with taking that message of reconciliation to the people around us. Verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. His appeal to who? To everyone. So God is making this appeal of reconciliation to the world through his church, through those who have already been reconciled. So we're saying, we've been reconciled to God, and he wants you to be reconciled to him too. Do you want to do that? That's kind of what we're doing here on the earth. Um, it says, verse 21, uh, or in verse 20, it says, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we are the demonstration of God's holiness uh, to the world. That Jesus took our sins so that we could become the demonstration of holiness to the entire world. So look back at verse 20, because that's really that's where we're going to zone in on this idea that we are ambassadors. It says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So on behalf of Christ, we're bringing this message. We're saying, hey, Jesus wants you to know this. And that term ambassador can kind of allow us to maybe sink into some imagery and some thought process in terms of, of exactly what we're here to do, not only in bringing the gospel to people, but specific, more specifically to focus in more how do we engage in these hot-button issues with the gospel in a way that is accurately representing Jesus, honoring to Jesus, because we're 
ambassadors for him. And so what does an ambassador do? Well, I'm glad you asked that. An ambassador um, is, is a, an expatriate who is a citizen of one country living in another country to fulfill like a certain purpose. And so uh, if you are studying abroad as a student, then you're an expat. You're living somewhere else. You're a citizen of the U.S., but you're studying somewhere else. If you're a missionary, that you are a, you're a citizen of the U.S., but you're serving abroad somewhere else for an extended period of time. Not for like a week or two. For months and months and months. You're, you're you know, doing that. You, can, you, can, uh, you can, might work for a company that's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to move you overseas for a year uh, to work in this position. So you would maintain your citizenship here, but then you would be over there working, and you're always representing the home nation. Your citizenship is still here. And so ambassadors do the same thing. The United States has ambassadors living in all these countries all over the place, and they are still citizens of the U.S. They're living in these emb- and working in these embassies in these other countries, and they're representing the interests of the U.S. abroad. And there's all kind of you know, stuff there that goes on. You can talk to other people way more smart than me about what ambassadors do. But in a very basic sense, that's what we're talking about. Is The U.S. government says, hey, we want you to go to this place and represent us. We want you to be our person on the ground. And we're going to have you interacting with government officials and doing all kinds of different things and just representing the U.S., building relationships there. And you now have authority as the ambassador to this country to, to speak on behalf of the United States on certain things. Now, of course, not everything, but uh, that's what they're there to do. And so that's what an ambassador does. They are representing their king or their kingdom or their nation or whatever in a foreign land to accomplish the purposes of the king or the president or the nation or whatever on their behalf. They've been given authority, but at the end of the day, the ambassador is not the president. The ambassador is not the king. The ambassador is the ambassador. And so if we can kind of think, think in those terms, <laughs> sorry, it was just a door. Um, if we can kind of think in, along those lines and think in those terms, when Paul says we are ambassadors, if you look again at verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, that we can draw this into our own situation because we are expatriates. We're expats that are living in a kingdom that is not our own. That our primary citizenship is in heaven. It is in the kingdom of God. That before we are Americans... We are Christians. We are children of God. He is, he is our king. You don't need to turn to it, but 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And it's not even a dual citizenship. Sometimes you hear people say, oh yeah, I'm a citizen of the kingdom and the United States. And I understand what they're saying, and I'm not trying to disrespect the United States, but 
Our primary loyalty is to King Jesus and his kingdom. And so our thinking, we have to think like ambassadors. We have to think uh, like expats. We have to think like people who are here, but we're not from here. And we're not representing here. We're representing something bigger, something else. That's the calling on our lives. So before we start talking about specific cultural issues, we have to be sure that we're thinking and understanding our role in unique ways. So we represent our king and his kingdom in a fo- this foreign land to accomplish his purposes on his behalf, just like we read in 2 Corinthians. Jesus, one of the last things he said to us on the earth was that he had all the authority, and now he's telling us to go. And so we have been given a charge by our king to go as ambassadors into everywhere that we go and to live as expats we're not from here, but we're representing the homeland. And more important than the homeland, we're representing the king and his kingdom. And at the end of the day, we are not the king. We're here on his behalf because he has something to say to people. And that thing is, be reconciled to God. And so every cultural issue that we come up against and that we think through and that we're trying to figure out, what do we do about this? Every hot button thing that you are kind of nervous about, but you kind of feel like you need to say something and that, all that kind of stuff. We're here not only to take the gospel places, but in those specific things, we're here to represent the king. And so as an ambassador, you can really, you can do one of two things. You can react to these issues, or you can respond to these issues. The reaction is, you know, it's immediate, and it's usually like really emotional, and it's whatever, and it probably is the source of a lot of Facebook fights that you might see, and awkward threads that you just can't help but read, you know, and they go on and on and on, and you're just like, you're, just like you're drawn up into it, and um, I heard somebody say recently, they were like, yeah, I, I fell into like, like the black hole of like this Facebook debate the other day. It's like an hour and a half of my life. I can never get back, you know, because you're just reading those threads. And a lot of times those are started by just reactive things. But ambassadors can't react. Ambassadors have to respond. And a response is, it's thoughtful. It's, it's purposed. Um, and so on Wednesday, I just kind of walked through, I took that, that pyramid deal that we'll put up on the screen that sometimes I'll use in, in terms of like decision making, and said, here's, a, here's just a, one example of probably, you know, many we could come up with, of, of what a process looks like that can help you determine what should my response be to this issue or this uh, question that I got, you know. So I'm not just talking about like social media fights. I'm talking about let's let's say that you are at work or you are or wherever you're talking with someone and they look at you and they're saying you're a Christian. What do you, what do you think about immigration? What should we do with the Syrian refugees? What do you think? Those kinds of situations. Or you're sitting around the dinner table and someone like you're, you're in a conversational setting and someone tees off on that issue. And the Christ in you kind of like gets a little flustered and you're like, you feel that stir of like, I feel like I should counter that what was just said. I can't just let that go, but I don't know what to do or what to say. And, and I haven't, I don't even know if maybe they're right, but it doesn't feel right, but maybe it is right. And you kind of have all that debate going on. And so if we're going to be legit ambassadors for Christ, we have to have some processes in place. We have to do some homework. We have to really take seriously our ambassadorship, 
And that's going to mean putting some thought and some prayer and some discussion into some of these things. And so whether it's this or some other kind of way, you have to work through your own response so that you kind of know exactly what's going on. And the reason why it's a pyramid is to give more weight to the bottom of the pyramid than the top of the pyramid in terms of time. And so at the base, we're looking at abiding. And so the entire process is centered around you're praying you're connected to Jesus. You're asking for the Spirit to guide you to the truth. It's just that has to be the most important thing. Uh, you will not react if that is what's happening. You will respond. They're very different. So you're, you're asking the Spirit, so you're abiding, and then you're thinking about the kingdom, and that's what I'm going to talk about in a minute. Like, what is the kingdom of God look like here? What, if I'm an ambassador, I've got to know what the king thinks about this i got to know what he wants me to do. And so the, if you're abiding, that means you're asking him. And you're thinking through these kingdom principles, and you're looking at the scriptures, and, and the bottom three sections of the pyramid are, are all feeding one another and spurring one another on. And so you're establishing this really solid base to your process filled with prayer and listening and scripture and kingdom thinking. And you're just, it's pointing you in a direction that's moving upward. And then you're checking your motives. You're making sure that, that, you, that what is driving you is not uh, fear or some sort of prejudice or some sort of, of whatever, that there isn't anything unhealthy in your thinking, that your motive really is, I want to I be a crystal clear ambassador in this dialogue on this issue. I, I, I don't want to get this wrong. I want to get it right because this is so important. Um, so you're purifying your motives and then from there, if, that, if that's moving in a good direction, it's time to probably involve some, some people in your discussion. And sometimes that's dialogue, and sometimes it's reading certain resources. And by this point, you kind of know who to talk to, or you definitely know who to not talk to. Uh, and so you're kind of being selective of, like, who can I dialogue about this? It's going to help me in my discernment. And if that is going on, and you're spending some time, and you're working your way through it, and you just get to that point at the top where you're like, I just, now I've got to make a decision now I have, to, I have to arrive at a conclusion that not only includes uh, your discernment about what the king has to say about it, but also, what does, now what does my engagement look like at this point? Do I say something? Do I say something over social media? Do I message the person and say, hey, maybe we could get coffee. I'd really like to talk to you about this. Do I object to what was just said at dinner? Do I uh, shut this conversation down? How do I do that? If your process looks holy and solid and the base of that pyramid is intact and you get to that point and, and even if you're not 100% like absolutely you know, dogmatic about it, you get a sense of this is what I'm supposed to do next. And so that kind of process, I think, has some integrity to it. And you can you do whatever process you want. It doesn't have to be that, but something has to get us thinking systematically as ambassadors, reminding us of what we're here to do and why it's important and how at the end of the day it doesn't really matter as much what you and I think about these particular issues. It really matters what the king thinks and what is his position. And if he were in, that, if he were in your literal shoes at that very moment, what would he do? Maybe you look at the bracelet that you're wearing, and it reminds you. 
The very simple trend that took the country by storm, the world by storm, what would Jesus do, is pretty good advice as an ambassador. That that's what we're there to do. So, uh, as much as I would like to um, just be like, hey, here's, here's, here's how you should do this all the time. Um, because that's what I want for people to do with me, right? I just want someone to tell me, like, who should I vote for in this presidential election, you know? How should I feel about this? How should I feel about this? How should I feel about this? And sometimes there are pastors who, who kind of take on that, that mantra a little bit. It's like, it's my guide. It's my job to guide the congregation so that we're all like-minded in regard to this one particular thing. And I'm not going to ever do that for us. And, and you don't really want me to do that. You kind of do because sometimes it's easier. It's kind of a shortcut. My job pastorally is to like point us back to the good shepherd who wants to use some sort of prayer-driven process to show us what to do. Um, and so instead of uh, giving us uh, some specific positions on things, I want to focus in on that, that kingdom rung for just a second. And then I'm going to walk us through a couple of different issues and show you how these things apply. There are five of many things that I wrote down that I think inform us about what the king and the kingdom would say about a number of different issues. These are principles or ideas or whatever to keep in mind as we're trying to figure out what am I supposed to do. Here, here are the five. Um, I think yeah, they'll be on the screen, all of them. Because we're just going to leave that up as I kind of walk through a couple of different specific things. Um, everyone bears the image of God. That without exception... Every person was created in the image of their creator. And that means they deserve dignity and they deserve respect. And you cannot come up with an, ex- an exception to that rule. Uh, and that's a part of um, what some people say is the, really the most offensive thing about the gospel. Is that it can apply to uh, the best and the worst of humanity. Um, I'm not here to camp out on that. But I think sometimes it's easy, to, it's easy to see the image of God in certain situations and certain people. And other times it feels like you have to look a little harder for it and you wonder if it's even there at all. And so it's important as an ambassador to keep in mind, in all of these hot button issues, there are people involved and those people were made in the image of God. Second thing is that our gospel reconciles. This is... Like what I was you know, saying earlier about being reconciled to God, it's a relational uh, reconciliation that permeates everything. So the gospel being about reconciliation, that's the solution that leads to all the other solutions. That as an ambassador, every situation we come up against and we're like, man, we really need to engage this in dialogue or, or be involved in this issue. As ambassadors, we have to know that the real solution here is, for, is Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's that the blood of Jesus covers these sins and that people be reconciled to God. That is our ultimate goal uh, as ambassadors. And so we should not be shy about that. That that is the solution that leads to all the other solutions. So that's relational uh, the third one, our kingdom restores. That's what the kingdom is about. That God takes these things that are broken and puts them back together again. There's deconstruction and reconstruction back to the way it's supposed to be. We see Jesus as he's walking around the earth and he's taking someone who was born blind and he heals them because they weren't supposed to be born blind, but sin has broken their bodies. And so he is restoring that physical body to its original purpose. 
It's that way with our souls. It's that way with our physical bodies. It's that way with the creation around us. That things are deconstructed and reconstructed for their original purpose. That that is what our kingdom is about. It's what our king is about. And so there are systems in place all around us of injustice and all these kinds of problems that we need to be a part of not only tearing down, but building them back up correctly again. And it's like we see in Revelation 4, chapter 4, all the way through 22, that the new earth is going to be filled with everything that was as it was supposed to be before sin broke it. And so we have to be thinking not only about relational reconciliation, but about restoring the world back to the original way that God intended it to be before sin broke it. The third thing, our king is an advocate. We see that in Psalm 68. We see it in Psalm 82. We see it all throughout the scriptures that for those who do not have a voice, our God is their advocate. He's the protector. He's He's the father to the fatherless. He's the protector of the widow. He is looking for those who are defenseless and have no voice for whatever reason. And he is stepping in and saying, no, this is what's going to happen here. And so whether it's hospitality or uh, evangelism or the gospel itself, that our, like, our king is an advocate. And so a part of being an ambassador is we have to be looking for ways that our king would want us to speak and to act on behalf of those who cannot. And the last thing, on earth as it is in heaven, that we're bringing heaven into this very moment. That we're bringing the future new earth into this very moment. That as you're sitting there, and you're, it's time to, to think about the moment of engagement in conversation or action or whatever that might look like, that a part of what you're thinking is, how can I make heaven real now? And these are just five. We could be here for a long time talking about our king and our kingdom and what we're here to think about as ambassadors. But let's just use those five for right now. Um, and let me apply them to a couple of different things. And here's where, you know, here's where it might get strange. But maybe not. Um, let's, let's, start, let's talk about racism first on the list. Um, we are obviously in a, in a period of history where um, certain things have improved and certain things are, have not improved. And there's just tension that exists all the time across the nation, in our own city, uh, there's just it's it's there, and so here we are as ambassadors for Christ. We're um, representing this King and this Kingdom in this city, in a city that has racial tension. So what are we supposed to do? Well, if you look at those five things that are up on the screen, I mean the image of God. That's the why. That's the why behind it. You know, it's it's not enough for us just to know that racism is wrong. As ambassadors, we have to know why it's wrong. And the reason why it's wrong is because God created everyone in his own image. And so to, to hate someone from another race, to make a joke or a slur or whatever about someone from another race, is to insult God himself to a degree. And so it's not just impolite or you know taboo or whatever. It's because these people who you are different than, the same than, whatever, are all made in the image of God, whatever their race might be. Um, so you have reconciliation, you have restoration. I mean, we should be on the, like Christians, ambassadors, should be on the front lines 
of this issue. We should be the ones who are modeling and fighting for, and, and really, like, this should become so important to us because it is, like, tied to the very nature of our gospel of reconciling and restoring communities and people. It's about being able to look at history and say, that was wrong, and also, that was then. Let's be, let's, what can we do today to bring earth and heaven together? And how can we be advocates? How can we as ambassadors as Christians be the ones to step in and do something about it. Like we should be very, this should be very serious to us. This should not be something that's seen as like, well, it doesn't really impact me directly. So I'm just going to like kind of see it on the news or kind of hear about it and whatever. And it's kind of like a somewhere else kind of thing. So you can watch the news about Ferguson, you know, and all these kinds of places where there's all this stuff going on and you can be like, well, okay, well, that's there. What about here? Well, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, we, we may have moved out of uh, name-calling and slurs and jokes, you know, to a certain extent, which, you know, it's probably in a point in history where like, it's better than it used to be, but it definitely is not gone. But we can't kid ourselves into thinking that we have no, we have no sort of like racial issues at all in our city or in our own lives sometimes. And it, it, it's there. It creeps up. And as ambassadors, it should be priority to us. We're looking at one, what is one of the biggest div- dividers in our city in particular. That's one of them. We as Christians should be on the front lines. Now, what is the front line? What, is that, what do I mean by that? You know, work your way up the pyramid and you tell me, you know. Work your way through a process and figure out what that looks like. Because how it looks for me may not be the same way that it looks for you. We can have this broad stroke understanding of we should be like really driven toward uh, reconciliation and restoration between the races. We should be a part of healing in our city. We can all be like, yes, we're going to do that and have a bunch of different individual applications of what that looks like. But as ambassadors, we cannot look the other way. We cannot pretend it doesn't exist. We cannot pretend that some of the shrapnel from previous generations has not gotten caught up in our own thinking and attitudes and uh, that kind of stuff. So if you want examples of how I see it showing up in a bunch of our lives, then you just come ask me afterwards because I'm not going to go on record with that one. Okay. Let's, let's, let's change topic. But, but can you see, like my goal here is not, I'm not trying to like, let me address a bunch of things at once. I want to show you how kingdom principles apply to some of the specific issues, okay? So maybe by the time we do a couple of them, maybe it'll, it'll make more sense if it makes no sense now, all right? So that was racism. Got that one all soft. Okay, uh, let's, talk, let's talk about Islam, and not, and not even like radical Islam. Let's just talk about, about Islam in general. Lots of tensions exist between uh, like Americans and anyone who is Muslim. And then there's the Christian-Muslim tension, you know, those kinds of things. So what, what are we supposed to do as ambassadors for Christ citizens of of his kingdom living in America to represent his interests. Well, look at the five things again. The image of God 
Every person on the planet bears his image. And so every person of every faith is deserving of dignity and respect. Every Muslim person that you know, or you read about, or you assume, or however that needs to work in your life, every single person deserving of dignity and respect. Now, a part of that, we have to respect them and love them enough to not buy into this lie that Christianity and Islam are the same. That Yahweh and Allah are the same. They're all on this journey up the same mountain, just from different points of view. If someone deserves dignity and respect, a part of that is the truth, right? I mean, you, you love them enough to not let that continue. And so as ambassadors, we cannot perpetuate that lie that they are the same. It's easier, it's more comfortable it's a, good, it's a good political line. You know, it's a nice theme on a TV show that's trying to like bring, bring us all together. But it isn't true. And the reason why it's not true is something that you need to know. And if you don't know why they're not the same, then as an ambassador, you need to do some homework. But that's a part of what you would do. Is you're like, well, I, need to, I guess I need to research this a little bit. If you come up against this in some conversation and someone, someone at work says, I mean, it's all the same anyway, and you know that it's not true, but you don't know what to say to that, then don't beat yourself up about the fact that you didn't know in that moment the perfect words, you know, counter-argument or whatever. But if you're taking your ambassadorship seriously, you're saying, I'm never going to be caught in that conversation again without knowing what to say. And so you begin to pray and to Seek the kingdom and read the Bible and a part of your motives and stuff. But when you get to part of that community thing is you begin to see, seek out people around you that you think would can maybe help you. Say, hey, you're you you you're pretty smart. You know a lot about history. Where where should I even start in this? Come to some of your pastors and say, I got in this situation the other day and I wanted to engage, but I didn't know how. Can you help equip me? Because that's what pastors are here to do in the church. And so, just because someone is made in the image of God does not mean that we just look the other way on things when they're wrong because they deserve the truth as a part of the bearing of God's image. Our gospel is about reconciliation. We can have good relationships with Muslims and not endorse the differences in our religious beliefs at the same time. And that's something that I've been thinking about so much in the last couple of months. I just want to like pass on, and I'm probably going to keep passing on a lot, is that our souls are big enough to feel multiple things at once, to think multiple things at once, for multiple realities to be the case. I think there's a part of us that feels like we have to go one way or the other, you know? That if someone believes differently than you, then that means that you can't have anything to do with them. And to me, that's really, that's selling short the capacity of the souls that God has given us. That you can have really great relationships with someone of another faith 
And at the same time, just because you're friends with them and have good relationships with them is not an endorsement of saying, and I totally think that what you think is okay. And so we have, to be, we, have to, we have to understand and let God show us that our souls are big enough for both of those things to coexist. That if Jesus can look at you and he can separate your identity from your behavior and we were made in his image and have been reconciled to him and Christ in you is the hope of glory, then there's possible for us to have good relationships with people of other faiths, Muslims in particular, and at the same time, we can disagree with their fundamental belief that they have built their entire lives on. It, it might get messy sometimes, you know? It might get a little bit awkward. But our kingdom is about loving to the like with the truth. I mean, that's the whole thing. Jesus came to us and said, hey, you're broken. You need to be fixed. If you're a Christian, you looked at him and you were like, "Uh, I see the brokenness now, and you're the fixer. I get it. So sometimes that is a part of the gospel, is it being a little bit strange. Our gospel is about restoration. You know what's going to happen to Islam? It's going to self-destruct. I mean, it's been around for a long time. So it's not like like any day now, guys. I mean, it's, but it's going to fall apart. The wheels are going to come off of it at some point. Because all idolatry works that way. All misplaced faith eventually self-destructs. And maybe maybe we in our lifetime are not going to see that happen on a global, massive scale. But maybe we'll see it individually, you know. Maybe some of the people that you know or that you meet or that you see, maybe for them, the wheels will start to come off. A year ago, I was in South Africa, and some of you were there, and my team was working in a, in a, in a part of Johannesburg that's full of uh, Somalian Muslim refugees. And uh, it was during Ramadan, and so the missionaries were telling us, they were like, you just need to pray that they would have dreams about Jesus. Because during Ramadan, one of the things they're asking Allah is to give them dreams and visions as they sleep. And so what missionaries do is they pray that they will have dreams and they will see Jesus. And I don't know what version of Jesus you know, they're seeing or how they know it's him or whatever. But they would have a dream. They would think, that's not normal and then that, that then God would send Christian missionaries in, and the dots would begin to connect. And the very thing they were asking for was this revelation that would then lead them to faith in Christ. And so for me, that changed so much of like my time when I was there. We're sitting there doing math problems with uh, like all these kids, and they're telling us, "Hey, the whole time you're doing math problems, you just pray and beg Jesus to let that kid have a vision that night about Jesus." And so maybe it's person by person, maybe it's Muslims within our own city, but that we begin to really, I mean, deeply desire restoration and reconciliation between them and Jesus, their creator. And if Jesus wants to use their own faith and their own practices and their own holidays and their own whatever to draw them in as ambassadors, that has to be our deepest desire. If we want on earth as it is in heaven, you know how heaven feels about Muslims? There's love and there is so much sadness for their own 
like lostness. Their own salvation, their own misplaced faith, heaven is burdened for them. So as ambassadors, we have to be burdened deeply for them. And we have to be advocates. That you might have to be the one to be an advocate for someone who is Muslim. To see that as this is, this is what my king would want me to do right now. He would want me to defend this person. Now I'm not saying the radical Muslims who are killing people. I'm not saying defend them. It's probably a little more simple than that. It's probably a little bit closer to home. It's probably someone makes a joke. Someone you know, says something that they shouldn't say. Someone has an attitude about something. And there may be a point where your advocacy as an ambassador is just to say, hey, we're not going to do that. Maybe that's as simple as it needs to get. Here's one, one, more, one more last thing. It's, I think it's good for us to want the extremists to be stopped. And we should support those efforts. I mean, it's, I think sometimes as, as, as Christians, especially even like in the wrestling with like being a pacifist and war and like all this violence, you know, to stop other violence and all that kind of stuff. I think this is just like, this is like Josh talking right now. Uh, I think it's good for us to look at um, the Orlando club shooting, at the, uh, the recent attack in uh, Turkey and those kinds of things. We need to look at that and we need to hate that. And we need to want the extremists to, to stop And we need to pray for their salvation. We need to pray for our government leaders. We need to pray for the world leaders that are trying to figure out what to do. But the crazier that that gets, we can be praying that through the craziness, nominal Muslims would look at that and that the wheels would begin to come off of their own faith. To see, to see the, the futility of it, to see the brokenness of things, and that God would use some of that crazy stuff to bring people to him. But it is good, and we should desire for the radical stuff to stop, because God would want that in his kingdom. God would not want people to continue to be killed. God is about life, not about death. Okay? Okay, so let me move on to another one, otherwise we'll be here forever. But this one might be... Uh, just as much. Um, so those five things, okay, maybe seeing how some of that applies. Uh, this one, um, I'm just going to touch briefly on this one. Uh, same-sex marriage seems to be another, another one. This is especially, uh, especially prominent in regard to um, Christian churches, conservative Christian churches, that kind of stuff, kind of just debating this issue. Um, again, you look at those five things, like the image of God, there's no exception to that. And so there is, again, dignity and respect in our response as ambassadors. What, how, whatever your response looks like, it will have those components in it. Always. And so if our, if our response is lacking treating someone made in the image of God, if, it, if it's lacking treating someone with that kind of blessing um, for acting in a way that is not honoring to someone of that status, then we need to back up a little bit. And we see that a lot. 
We see Christians being pretty aggressive, pretty hateful, pretty whatever. And um, that's not how our king would handle it. Even, even in his disagreement, there would still be those components there. And so, you know, is it marriage? No. Our king would look at, would look at same-sex marriage and say, that is not marriage. Our king would say, I should know because I created marriage. I know what it is, and that is not it. It's, it's commitment. It's forms of love. It's, it's just some, it's something else. Our king would look at that and certainly respect everyone involved as made in his image enough to look at them and say, no, this is not, this is not what I have for you. This is not what I've created. And within that, the reconciliation and restoration is very important. Again, our souls are big enough. We can have good relationships, and we can disagree. Those things can coexist. And it may not, even, it may not be received very well. A lot of times, that's what we're worried about. It's like, oh, I don't want it to be awkward. I don't know. This could be like a watershed moment, all this kind of stuff. But we are built to be able to say, I don't agree with that, but I, but I love you, and I'm like, I'm here with you, and I'm going to be here with you. Uh, both of those things can coexist. If it is not received, Jesus can relate to that. Like he understands that. He understands what, that, what's, what, understands what that is like. Uh, he even told us it was going to happen. But it doesn't mean that we stop working for it. That reconciliation to God and restoration to him and to the church should be something that's so important to us as ambassadors. Like, we should desire that and work for that and fight for that. And I think that we are burning a lot of bridges right now that are going to make it difficult, not only in the immediate future, but in the long run. And so as ambassadors, we have to know that God's heart is that everyone be reconciled to him, everyone be restored to him. And as the church, we got to grow up in our discussions about what that means and what that means going forward. We need to be quick to be advocates. And my experience is that in times when I have been, when I felt pushed by the Spirit to be an advocate in regard to same-sex marriage, and specifically with people involved, it's really never, it's, it's always within the church it's like I have to be advocate to other ambassadors. And that's a weird tension to have, you know? Like, I feel like, like that's where the frustration exists most of the time is ambassador to ambassador. And so I think it's very important that we pursue some, some healthy dialogue and some, just some unified, spirit-led conversations about where, where is this going culturally as ambassadors? What, how, how do we do this? Jesus is the only one who knows. And if we're just reacting and not responding in prayer, through the scriptures and with one another, then of course it's going to just lead to a lot of dissonance. But we have to understand that Jesus is an advocate. Even if he may disagree with the big picture, interpersonally there are times when as Christians... We need to be stepping in and shutting some things down and making sure that we are focused together. 
on earth as it is in heaven, you know that none of us, none of our identity is rooted in our attraction. None of us. Now on the new earth, that will not be a, that will not be a thing. And so in these moments, we're trying to pull heaven, pull the new earth into these moments and saying, what, like, how can I make that tangible now? Sometimes people say, you know, we got to be standing up. You know, we got we to take a stand for Christ. Well, and my response to that is like, well, Jesus can take a stand for himself, first of all. He's very capable. Second of all, you don't see Jesus, like, picking a lot of fights in the New Testament. I mean, sometimes. But most of the time, he was, like, living his life. And as things came his way, he dealt with them. And sometimes he made a statement. Sometimes he told a parable. Sometimes he just asked a question, like I flipped it back on him. Sometimes he was silent. Sometimes he walked away. One time they, thought, they tried to throw him off a cliff. Another time they killed him. There's just all kinds of stuff that we see Jesus interacting. And so there isn't going to be this standard issue deal. We have to take the Spirit's leadership and figure out how do these things apply in this dialogue. And so if no one's attraction is going to be defining of them on the new earth, then we need to be careful about how it's defining here. And so when we have reconciliation and restoration and bearing the image of God and all those things in place, we're in a much more healthy way to say, as an ambassador, here's, here's what I believe I need to do. In regard to voting, just ask Jesus. He'll tell you who to vote for. You know? In regard to, to abortion, um, yeah, the king would be against that. He would be against that as, a, as like a standard practice. But we know it's at the root of it. It's, again, reconciliation, restoration. It's about the gospel seeing its way through. Um, and that should be important to us as ambassadors. Religious freedom in America. Everyone should have religious freedom. So we should, we should be supportive of that across the board because that is like a kingdom thing that we're here to celebrate because as a free country, we're able to send missionaries to closed countries as we know very well. Um, immigration. Take all the stuff we're talking about. Apply it to the like, illegal immigration issue. I'm not going to do it for you. I, hopefully we're kind of seeing the, the rhythm here, the pattern here. We have to slow down a little bit and use the tools that he's put in place for us. If we want to be like really, really accurate ambassadors for Christ, and we want to walk in the fullness of who he's called us to be here on this earth, when it comes to engaging in some of these hot-button issues, we have, to, we have to come back to him and say, I don't know how to do this. Will you help me? Can we pump the brakes a little bit? Can we do some homework can we do the deep work of prayer and be humble enough to let him show us some things? Can we start, some, start, or start or continue some healthy dialogue? Can we figure out how can we be a part of the gospel doing its thing in our city? Well, these issues are going to be a part of that. He equips his ambassadors fully the task at hand. You are equipped to be able to do this. What we want to do is say, well, that's too difficult. I'm just going to let somebody else fight that battle. 
And there's some of these things I've talked about that you may never like interpersonally come up against face to face. But some of these are probably things that you have heard or seen or read about or there are things you've encountered. And I think that we have to look at this as this, these ama- amazing opportunities to take the gospel into the most difficult debates of our culture and watch Jesus do his thing in a transformational way. And so we are ambassadors for Christ. He's making his appeal through us. Be reconciled to God. And so I don't know if I've offended everyone or what. It's been really still in here. Uh, I hope that's a good still, not a bad still. But as Christians, like we've we got to be for real about what he's called us to. And I know that you are. That's why it kept showing up on the surveys. You're like, yeah, we need to be talking about some of this stuff. We want to get better at it. We want to be more confident. We want, we want to know exactly what God wants. And he wants to tell us. And so maybe the overarching thing is going to continue to be just ask him and listen. Be humble. Be teachable. Be ready to obey. All funnels down to the same things. So in a minute, we're going to sing a little bit. And perhaps one way that you need to respond, maybe you need to repent of some stuff. Maybe there's some stuff in there with you that's like, that's getting in the way. Sometimes we don't know what to do because of our own issues with, with racism or judgment of people of other faiths or, or however these different things need to, need to surface. Maybe you need to repent Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to approach the communion table. Maybe you need to look at Jesus who's offering his grace to you and say, I need the body and the blood to help me. Maybe as an ambassador, this helps reset you and I. Put us in sync with the king and his kingdom. Maybe you need to sing. Maybe you need to do a mixture of all those things. Well, Taylor's going to be here serving communion. And so we'll just do our thing. We'll line up. You, you tear the bread off. You dip it in the cup. However you need to respond in these few minutes as ambassadors who are preparing to go back out into this kingdom we've been sent to, then it's important for us to keep these things in mind. So Stan, let me pray for us. I'm sorry I talked so long. Thanks for being cool. God, I don't really know um, the specifics of how to handle a lot of these things and and maybe that's a lot of what tonight is about, is just perhaps um, maybe a corporate confession of our cluelessness in some of these. I mean, these are hard things. And so if I can just maybe voice this prayer corporately, I just admit that we don't know everything. We're intimidated by some of these issues. We're confused by them. We're conflicted. We got a lot of information coming at us all the time, and it's hard to sort through it. And so, if I can be so bold as to just confess that on behalf of the room. And God, I'm thankful that you, you look for the humble, and you give more grace in those situations. And so, um, I pray for those in the room tonight who are in that humble place of just saying, I don't know what to do with some of this stuff, but I want, I want to learn, I want to know, I want to, I want to be everything you want the church to be. God, I pray that you would just target those humble hearts and assure them that your grace is sufficient and 
that you have what they need, that you have what we all need. And so as a room of ambassadors uh, for all who are, are in Christ here, I pray that you would just give us a renewed sense of calling and determination, that you would inspire us, that you'd make us want it, that we wouldn't be the, the type who to shy away from some of these difficult subjects, but we would run to them because we're not confident in ourselves. We're confident in our king and the kingdom that we represent. And so as we sing and as we pray and as we receive communion and whatever that needs to look like for us, would you take these few moments that we have left together and sanctify them even further? And as a congregation who is responded to that survey and say, we want to be better. God, hear our prayers. We ask that you would just meet us in these moments in these different ways.